0: Live from the betting capital of the world.
1: Vegas, baby, Vegas!
0: It's Wager Talk with Teddy Covers at Ralph Michaels. It's fo- 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 football
1: Friday here on Wager Talk. Teddy Covers at Teddy on the covers on Twitter. Ralph Michaels at Cal Sports LV. Michael... Wanna to welcome to all of you watching on the Sports Grid TV Network. Welcome, Zumo viewers, on channel 719. Welcome to all of you who are consuming this video cast in podcast form as well. This is your Sports Central for Betters. We'll do it in an hour. Ralph and I are gonna break down everything you need to know to make educated wagers this weekend. But we're gonna start with what we like to call BBB Bad beats, bad bets, bad for the books, and we had an all-timer last night. A legitimate all-time bad beat with Tulane covering the number against Houston. It wasn't just the fake kneel down, which I'm going to talk about in a minute, as this the, my single least favorite play that I've ever seen. It wasn't just a fake kneel down. It was a fake kneel down followed by the Hail Mary into a triple coverage in which all three defenders fell down, allowing the receiver to run to the end zone as the clock hits zero. So, there's, maybe I might get a field goal out of that. They might cover in overtime, but to see that game end that way, a game where Tulane was trailing 28 to 7 to rally back and get the winning cover 35 28, it's an all timer, Ralph. I don't know how else to call it.
0: Yeah, now I loved the play. I loved the kneel down play and and running it. I thought it it, it was clever, and uh, people haven't run it in the past. My issue is listen, you learn from from the first day you play tackle football, to hit and wrap. You saw those guys just hitting. No one even reached their arms out to wrap. Heck, you probably could have held him and held him up, and the clock would have run down, and you wouldn't even gotten a field goal try. So uh, to me, uh, I agree with you. It's an all-timer, but it's it's lack of defense. And, oh, yeah, rule number one when you're playing prevent defense, the receiver never gets deeper than you.
1: Didn't happen last night. So this is why I hated the play. All right. As a sports better, and you guys know this, all you out there watching, you know what's your favorite play in football? Your favorite play in football is when you take a knee because that's when you cash your ticket. The game is over when you take a knee. I have never lost a bet where my team was taking a knee and then the other team did something funny. I remember Greg Ciano tried to do some funny business on a kneel down and said, his guy's diving over the line and he got pilloried for it. And of course, you know, he <laughs> hasn't gotten a whole lot of head coaching jobs since. Uh, but here's a situation where when you see your team take a knee and your opponent sees you them signing up to take a knee, you, th- that's it. You don't run plays off of that. So to see a situation where I, like my, I, when I say it's my favorite play in football, the knee is my favorite play in football. And that got ruined last night. That's the first time I've seen a team do that. And I don't like it one bit. Great play. Great play call. Won the game for them. As a better, I hate that play. Hate it, Ralph. What about you?
0: Again, I I told you. I liked it. I thought it was creative. I thought, you know, listen, Teddy, if if you're supposed to kneel down every time you kneel down, then you're supposed to kick a field goal every time you line up for a field goal. Uh, Hats off. I thought it was creative. I haven't seen anyone run it. I thought it was great.
1: Yeah, well, as a, I get it. As a better, I hate it. I want a knee to be a knee and the game's over, where there's no funny business at that point. That wasn't the case. Nonetheless, if you had Houston plus the points last night, all I can do is offer my condolences. If you had Jacksonville plus the points last night, you didn't have a problem. That game was over on the first play of the game for Tennessee. Literally, they fumble a punt inside their own 10-yard line or muff a punt inside their own 10-yard line. First play, Gardner Minshew puts it in the end zone, 7 nothing. Titans are already up against it. 14-0 real early. That game was over. Tennessee had nothing. Nine times Marcus Mariota got sacked. And what did we say? Another national TV dud. Another under on the national TV game. And Tennessee, I mean, they were a flat-out no-show last night. That team was not prepared to play football.
0: Yeah, Marcus Mariota just does not look like an NFL quarterback right now. You know, who knows if they go to Tannehill. I mean, they have what I perceive as the best backup. Uh to me, there's not much of a drop-off from Mariota to Tannehill. You know, when you look at the box score of that game, though, Teddy, of all the years that I've ever been handicapping, looking at box scores, I don't ever remember a box score like Leonard Fournette. He was 15 carries. 66 yards with a long of 69.
1: Yeah, exactly. So his other 14 carries resulted in negative three for Fournette. He did not go over his rushing yardage total. He did go over his number of receptions. That cashed very, very early. He had four receptions uh, before halftime of that one. And then, of course, it was Tom Brady's tweets that were certainly a headline last night. And something worth talking about today, Brady, the ultimate... If you touch me, I'm gonna go for a flag and complain to the refs. Says, this is unwatchable. Too many penalties. What are they doing? And in some ways, not easy to watch all these off the offensive holdings. They're calling holding again and again and again. And it's taking a lot of the offensive flow out of the games. Last week's games, 13 and 3 to the under. Last night's game under. You think Brady had uh made sense there?
0: Well, you know, uh, you look at it and the penalties weren't outrageous when you look at them after the fact. Tennessee had nine penalties. Jacksonville had four. They combined for 131 yards. Put it in perspective, Cleveland had 18 themselves week number one. But yeah, it's really taken the flow out of the game. Teddy, that's why we saw such a low scoring week too. They mentioned it a few times. Penalties, especially holding penalties, up 60% over last year. Totals betters. Pay attention moving forward. If that trend continues, the unders are sure going to have some value.
1: Well, totals bettors took note of this change. Not so much. Dolphins made the QB change. Josh Rosen in for <laughs> Ryan Fitzpatrick, who will start for 18. Maybe he'll start for our ninth next year. But Fitzpatrick keeps going places and getting benched week three. Is that the right move? Josh Rosen in for Miami.
0: Well, you know, we saw that line go, oh, I guess it's over 21 anyway, so it doesn't really matter. You know, I don't know. It just depends what they want moving forward. You know, it's a situation that they're going to play the guys that have the best chance to win moving forward. They know it's not going to be this year. Uh, I'm not in camp. I didn't watch what they had. They obviously traded for Rosen because they thought he'd be productive. So it's a wait and see situation for me.
1: No question about that. We'll be back here on Wager Talk. We're talking line movers. Where's the money going and why? Stay tuned here on the the Sports Grid.
0: Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show.
1: A dynamic process, okay? The line starts here and it'll go up, it'll go down. The best advantage of all the line moves that they can to make sure they get their wager down at the appropriate price range. That's what we're going to try to do with this segment right here. So let's talk about it. And this, the uh, number one I want to talk about, is something that's gained a lot of traction on Twitter over the last couple of years. They're calling it the old reverse line move. Michigan State and Northwestern is the game we're going to talk about, but the concept of a reverse line move, Ralph, where the general public likes one side, the consensus numbers for the public are on one side, but the line is going in the other direction, which indicates wise guy support for the other side. So they're saying that's a reverse line move because the public here, the consensus numbers say it should be going this way. But in fact, the line is going in the other direction. I hear a lot of people talking about it. I've been in Vegas for 21 years. No one in Vegas talks about reverse line moves. Is this something that you're concerned about? And what do you see where Michigan State has taken all the sharp money against Northwestern?
0: I don't worry about it one at all. I mean, there's some handicappers that worry about what bet percentages are, what books they are. You know, I don't. Listen, I handicap games. I make my number. If I find value at that number, I play it regardless. Everything else to me is just noise. You look at the Spartans team and people think, well, hey, they're off that upset loss. They're going to bounce back. I do have an angle which supports those that are backing Michigan State. College football teams often upset losses, a double-digit favorite, like Michigan State did, losing to Arizona State as a 14-point favorite. When they're on the road their next game, they've gone 39-27-2, and 59.1% against the spread. But then you have the Northwestern backers say, hey, listen, the dog in Northwestern games, 14-2 against the spread, 14-2-1 and against the spread. You know, I think the lines and I think the lines inflated. This Michigan State team has only proved they can they can score one time. But Northwestern, you have to remember Hunter Johnson, his first start was last week against UNLV. They were without their starting running back against UNLV. Can all that click against an elite Michigan State defense this week?
1: Yeah, Sparty's defense could cover this number by themselves. But as a the point that I'm trying to make here, Ralph, and you said it. You don't worry about it one iota. I don't worry about it one iota. There's lots of things to look at when handicapping football games or baseball games or basketball games. And one of the things, one of the most important things that we can help you with on this very show is talking about what's important and what's static, what's just noise, what you don't want to pay attention to. Reverse line movement stuff isn't anything that any serious better that I know pays any attention to. That's something purely for recreational betters to stew about. And when there's so many things that go into any handicap of any game, what you want to do is simplify it, not complicate it. Reverse line movement isn't going to simplify anything. So it's not one that you're going to hear a lot on this particular show. Let's talk about Friday night. We've seen two line movers for tonight. Florida International taking money as a dog against Louisiana Tech and Air Force taking money as a dog against Boise. It looks to me like the Florida international money is coming based on the quarterback news. James Morgan, their starting QB was hurt last week. He didn't play against New Hampshire. The reports are he is good to go here. Although Kalen Wiggins, you know, guided them to their first win last week and could get playing time. He could start here, but the markets seem to like that. Morgan is back for air force and, and Boise. Heck, The markets have been Boise. The markets have literally been wrong on Boise every week, but they were certainly right on Air Force last week. Lots of sharp money for the Falcons in their win over Colorado, and a fair bit of sharp money for the Falcons again as they take on Boise tonight.
0: Yeah, I'm surprised of the FIU line move because, I mean, listen, James Morgan played against Tulane and they only scored 14 points, had 16 first downs. James Morgan got hurt in the Western Kentucky game. They only had 14 points, 217 first downs. Kalen Wiggins is a different quarterback. He's a mobile quarterback. He really struggles to throw the ball downfield. Uh, If Morgan's healthy, you know, then, yes, I understand this line move. But we've seen many coaches... Just talk about, yeah, he's probably healthy. Wiggins may play, just to give the opposing D.C. something to look at. So be cautious on that news. And Air Force, I just think the technicals are backing the Air Force players. We all know Air Force as a dog. Air Force has a dog of seven or more, now 9-1-2 and two against the spread, their last 11. We know Boise has a home favorite role, but there's been so much talk about this game. We're now getting down Boise to just a touchdown home favorite, something they are rarely that small of a home favorite on the blue turf.
1: Yeah, we'll talk a little bit more about that game when it comes to big game breakdowns. The biggest market move today so far this morning has been on Temple. Lots of Temple money against Buffalo. The markets do not like a Buffalo team that got smacked around in Liberty last Saturday.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. You know, I agree with the move. It's out of it, it's out of range where there's any value for me. But you know, Temple has a legitimate defense, as we were we grown accustomed to the past few seasons. But they do have an offense to go with it. They're going into revenge, and uh, you know they're going to beat an old foe that was a MAC opponent for him just a few years ago.
1: <laughs> it feels like it's been a while since Temple was in the MAC. We've seen a big move towards the dog, also in early betting action on Friday. SMU taking money at TCU. That's down to eight at most places now, even seven and a half at some of the leading indicator books. Nothing but wise guy money coming on the Mustangs.
0: Uh, A move I agree with. You know, you look at TCU and, uh, you know, you have Arkansas Pine Bluff and the Purdue game in your mix, and that's all. But. Uh, I like this SMU team. I, 3-0 and for the first time in a couple decades. Uh, I believe they're headed in the right direction. Uh, it, it, it's, it, I am on the SMU side, so it's no surprise to me that this line has come down.
1: And, of course, Dykes was an offensive quality control assistant uh, under Gary Patterson just two years ago after he got fired uh, from Cal. So these are two coaches that know each other fairly well. We've seen nothing but under money. Kentucky and Mississippi State, 48, 47 and a half. How low can it go, Ralph?
0: You know, I think we're probably to the bottom of where it is. Uh, You know, you have potential for two backup quarterbacks. Sawyer Smith, of course, in for Terry Wilson, uh, played well against Florida. Uh, You're looking at Stevens, who's banged up, who's... You know, not 100% healthy, he has been replaced each of the last two weeks. He has looked better in practice this week. We may see him go, but uh, even though you look at the box score and t- Kentucky gave a 438 yards, you have to remember when you're analyzing box scores, a lot of that came late in that last touchdown for Florida on a, what, a 70-yard run. I was impressed with Kentucky's defense. I, I expect a lower scoring game here as well.
1: Yeah, I'm not surprised the money's coming the under there at all. No Cam Newton? Well, it's official now. The Panthers are underdogs at, and a team that was the worst team in the NFL last year and hasn't won a game yet this year. Arizona laying to Carolina based on the Cam Newton injury info.
0: Well, we talked about how much of a drop-off it was for Cam Newton on yesterday's show. And listen, this is the game I'm just going to say that I don't know where to make the line. I mean, I do you, do you make Arizona a favorite? I, I don't know if I can ever make Arizona a favorite, but you're looking at, at Cam's backup. I don't know if I can make them a favorite. Heck, I'd make the game pick, and whoever wins deserves the cover.
1: <laughs> uh, we're seeing some Rams love in the betting marketplace, and it's noticeable today. The threes are now minus 15, minus 20. Heck, there are a couple of three-and-a-halves popping up, and it seems like both the pros and the Joes like them some LA the Browns not getting respect in the markets right now
0: again you know the Browns win didn't look that good when you break it down Baker Mayfield was not his same accurate self early the O-line struggled Uh, Baker missed a lot of passes we didn't get any push on the offensive line I say we as being a Browns fan Uh, it doesn't surprise me at all with the Rams we talked about this game as well where this is where I would have had this line at the start of the week
1: We are not fans. We are betters. And we will talk betting, big game breakdowns, college, and the NFL coming up next right here on Wager.
0: Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show.
1: football games to talk about in the next 12 minutes. We're going to go quick hitter style, Ralph, all the biggest games. We're going to start with the three TV matchups for tonight. And of course we'll do NFL in the next segment. Don't worry. We'll get there. Let's start with Utah against USC, the Utes three and a half point road favorite total 53 and a half against the Trojans team where the young QB making his first collegiate start last week through Not one, not two, but three interceptions up in Provo. Should we expect more of the same in Southern California this evening?
0: No, I like what Slovis did at home. Going on the road to BYU and throwing interceptions doesn't concern me. Uh, You know, the best unit on the field is Utah's D-line. They have an elite D-line. But what Graham Harrell brings to this USC offense as the new O.C., is a mini-air-ray type offense that the quarterback gets rid of the ball quickly. You got three receivers in Pittman, St. Brown, and Carr that are probably going to be in the NFL. I like USC.
1: All right. I'm looking at the other side in that one. So, Ralph and I disagree on Utah-USC tonight. Louisiana Tech minus seven, the total 51.5 against Florida International. That, too, a TV game on a Friday night. We're seeing Skip Holtz as home chalk. and. That hasn't been necessarily his best role.
0: Oh, well, we know Holtz as a dog is where you want to back him, but you know, this is this is a this is a game that I'm going against my power ratings. My power ratings have the game closer than the line, so I should be backing FIU. But FIU just doesn't pass the eye test for me. I watched him against Tulane, I watched him against Western Kentucky. I did not see the New Hampshire game, but again, that was with Wiggins at quarterback. Uh, You know, I like what I'm getting out of La Tech. Putting up 413 yards against Texas was impressive. Only getting outgained by 31 yards. Jamar Smith is a quarterback who is slinging it well, completing 70%. I lean with La Tech here.
1: I'm with you 100% on that one. If I'm playing, I'm laying with the Bulldogs. I don't know what to do with this one. I'm not going to play it. I'll tell you flat out. Boise down to minus seven, total of 55 against Air Force. Air Force has beaten them twice in the last four years. Uh, that being said, Boise's passing game has given Air Force fits. The Falcons don't have the talent in the speed or talent in the secondary cover. Boise's receivers, that's been the case in every recent meeting. The question, even though Boise faces Air Force every year, that Falcons offense has had plenty of success. Against the Broncos and Air Force coming off a nice upset last week against Colorado. What's your take? Boise State, minus seven, total of 55 against an Air Force team that's taken a bunch of wise guy money this week.
0: Well, you know, everyone remembers what Boise did against Florida State, and I think that's why this line opened up as high as it did. But Brockmeyer, their freshman, actually got benched last week. They pulled him out and they and they sat him for the third quarter against Portland State. He threw a couple picks, made horrible throws. You know, and that's why they only scored 14 points the week before Marshall. Uh, you know, I, I would like Air Force plus 10 or more. They're in a tough situation off a road game in Colorado in overtime and now traveling a second straight week. But the the Air Force personnel are, are different than regular teams. I think they can overcome it. The line right now is where it should be. I would probably lean with the over if I had to give an opinion. You talked about Boise's offense moving. Air Force also put up 440-some yards last year against Boise. I think they can move it as well.
1: Yeah, they scored four touchdowns against them. Uh, no more than that. Was a 48-38 last year? I mean, it was a real shootout uh, between these two teams. Worth noting, the money on Boise State. There's been money on or against Boise State every week. Every week that money's been wrong. Every week that's lost. This week, the money coming against Boise. Boise State, the markets have not gotten that team right. Florida, early start action on Saturday. Minus 14, total of 49 against Tennessee. And this situation where the Gators, with their backup quarterback, we're talking about a kid who literally hasn't started a game since his freshman year of high school. He played behind some pretty good kids in high school, no question about it. But you don't often see a QB starting for the Florida Gators, where they're two touchdown favorites against an SEC foe with a QB who hasn't started a game. She was a freshman in high school. Bizarre situation here. What do you make of this point spread, Ralph? Uh, Can can, uh, can, Kentucky uh, bounce, or Tennessee, uh, having bounced back from their two bad losses early in the season with a cupcake last week, can they bring some of that momentum on the road, or are the Vols toast already?
0: You know, I'm not a Vols fan at all, but I am not a Florida fan. You watch that game. I mean, it's one of the most misleading finals, the 29-21 game. If the Kentucky kid makes the field goal, you know, then the game is over. And we're looking at a Kentucky win, and Florida's 1-2. and two, And those first two wins meant very little. Uh Trask played behind Dear King in in Texas. I think it was a Houston yep. high school. So you know he sat behind him. Emory Jones is actually a higher recruit. He's going to play as well. I'm not a fan of the dual quarterbacks. We talked about it yesterday. Um, I think I think Florida got outgained, uh, got outplayed on both the offensive and defensive line against Kentucky. And I think Tennessee has enough life in him to keep it close.
1: Yeah, I think that the win that Tennessee got last week was a win they desperately needed, the right team at the right time. Getting out of town is not going to hurt that squad. I, too, would take the Vols in a New York minute before I laid two touchdowns with the Gators in this one. Missouri, minus nine and 61 against South Carolina. That cox Frost, QB, Alinsky looked pretty good last week. Then again, Missouri's looked much better since their fall asleep opener. You know, they led Wyoming 14 0 and then got blown out the rest of the game. Uh, Tigers and the Gamecocks with a, to- with a uh, total of 61 and Missouri minus nine.
0: There is nothing harder to do than to replace a four-year starting quarterback. And that's what Jake Bentley was coming into the season, a four-year SEC starting quarterback. I played against South Carolina last week with Ryan Olinsky, a true freshman against the Bama defense. I'll tell you what, though. 31 first downs is the most that Bama's given up in 10 years. They allowed 31 to Clemson once, but they have not given up over 29 first downs to any SEC foe in 10 years. So I believe this true freshman can move the ball against Missouri. I like Missouri's offense with Kelly Bryant. The the Clemson transfer, 67%, a 6-2 ratio. Uh, Yeah, they struggled on the scoreboard against Wyoming. They still put up 537 yards. I like the over here.
1: Yeah, I mean, Bryant made a bunch of mistakes in that ballgame, but it wouldn't surprise me at all to see these two teams marching up and down the field. I like Bryant a lot more in Columbia than I do in hostile environments. This is an interesting one. Two teams that both pulled off big upsets last week, one bigger than the other. West Virginia pulled an upset. They were touchdown home dogs to NC State. And Kansas pulled an upset. They were as high as plus 21 at Boston College. They didn't just win that game. They blew them off the field. Now these two teams match up in Lawrence. Can the Jayhawks carry that momentum forward? West Virginia, minus four and a half, total of 51.
0: Teddy, you know if we have a unique situation, I have to go to the database and find out what's happened in those situations. Well, since 2012, when we've had two college teams that have both pulled the upset of at least being a six-point dog, the home team has gone 12-3 and against the spread, which is the Kansas Jayhawks. That's not the reason I'm going to lean with Kansas. But, you know, I believe Les Miles has them playing with confidence. I believe they were such a downtrodden program that one win can go a long way. I believe they changed enough of the offense going to a more RPO offense after two weeks of a traditional offense. And I had West Virginia down as much as any team this year, with only nine returning starters, their slew of transfers, the new system changes. So, uh, a situation where I would back Kansas.
1: The closest meeting between these two teams over the last five years has been a 16-point West Virginia victory. They gained at least a 500 yards in all five of those matchups. And for as much as Kansas looked good last week, I do not trust them here. For me. It'd be West Virginia or pass. We talked about this one a little bit just above. Let's talk about it right here. TCU now down to minus seven, total of 55 and a half against SMU. And this has been a one-sided series. The Horned Frogs have owned the Mustangs in every recent meeting, but the markets are saying, not this year. Watch out for the underdog.
0: Yeah, we're talking a big gap and I normally don't like a team that has been this historically bad. You know, SMU has lost six straight games to TCU by an average of 31 points per game that that you have to you have to look up at an opponent that way when you're losing by 31. And and this is your in state. This is an in state foe. But with that said, I mean, you, you have a power five quarterback in Shane Bichelle. You've handled every situation you have. Yes, you've only played Arkansas State, North Texas, and Texas State, but at least you've played three FBS teams. I think they can go in with TCU. I think they're going to score at least 28 points, which means I'm going to like SMU and lean with the over.
1: And I do think SMU correlates with the over. If the Mustangs get theirs, they're likely to cover, and the game is likely to go over the total. Let's talk a couple of Pac-12 football real quick. Washington State minus 18.5, total 58.5 against UCLA. And Arizona State getting market respect, minus 8.5, total of 50.5 against Colorado. Can the Buffs bounce back off the bad loss to Air Force? And is UCLA ever going to bounce back from anything, Ralph? The Bruins look really bad right now.
0: Well, UCLA is the team that I have dropped the most since the start of the year. No surprise there. I, I can't bet on them. I, I, until they show me something, there's no way I could bet on them. So me, it's either Washington. If I like their opponent, I'll bet them. I don't like Washington State in this spot laying that much. And in the second game, Arizona State and Colorado, to me, Colorado is one of the most fake teams this year. Got out gained against Colorado State. Got out gained against Nebraska. Got outgained against Air Force. Even though Arizona State's off the big upset and they got outgained by almost 200 yards, I still like them in this role.
1: Yeah, there's a big difference between the defense from Arizona State and the defense of Colorado. One team capable of getting stops, stops. the other team, not so much. And when you talk about Wazoo, that's a plug-and-play system. They got an NFL quarterback. Heck, they got two NFL starting quarterbacks with Luke Falcon. Doesn't matter. Wazoo a system team right now. No surprise, they roll on Saturday night.
0: Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show.
1: Denny Covers and Ralph Michaels doing big game breakdowns here on Wager Talk. Follow me at Teddy underscore covers on Twitter. Follow Ralph at Cal LV. Make sure to follow sports Grid on Twitter. You can get access to all the programming at Sportsgrid. And of course, download that sports Grid app. So you can get all of this quality content on demand, wherever you go on your mobile devices. So Ralph, I want to go to you first We've got a pretty strong general trend in the NFL involving 0-2 teams, especially teams that are 0-2 straight up and 0-2 against the spread. What do you got? I know your database has got something on this one.
0: Yeah, you know, we always talk about 0-2 against 2-0 teams and what they do. So I looked at what teams were 0-2 straight up in ATS, and then they're a dog week three. Since 2010, so we're talking the last nine seasons, has happened 32 times. Those dogs that are 0-2 straight up in ATS have gone 22-10 and 10 against the spread, including 8-0 and 0 the last two years. Now, I'm going to tell you the four teams that fall into the category this year, but we need to put a huge asterisk on them because all four of these teams have quarterbacks that did not start game one, the New York Giants, Miami, Pittsburgh, and the New York Jets. So this is where you have to examine the data, see if you feel it's still relevant. If it is, it's a system you can mark check marks for, or do you just ignore it because of the quarterback situations?
1: Well, let's start with one of those games where the Pittsburgh Steelers, which is one of the four teams, again, the four teams on that list, that's 22 and 10 against the spread since 2010. Teams that are 0 and 2 straight up and against the spread the first two weeks of the season and are a dog in week three. The Giants, the Dolphins, the Steelers, and the Jets. Yeah, there's some hold-your-nose stuff with that. But Pittsburgh might not be hold-your-nose here. The Steelers, six-and-a-half-point dogs, total of 44 at San Fran. And from a spot standpoint, This one does not stand out as a good one for the home team back at Levi Stadium in Santa Clara.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm going to throw one more in there. Teams that started the first two weeks on the road, then they're back at home week three, have only gone 10 and 25 against the spread, 28.6%. That's Buffalo, KC, Indy, and San Fran. I think San Fran, I like San Fran. I bet them. To make the playoffs. I bet them over their season win total, but I think they're getting too much respect here. No one remembers that two weeks ago at Tampa Bay, they only put up 256 yards. They scored 31 points because of two pick sixes. So to me, uh, I I like the injury system playing against the injured quarterback. And of all the backup quarterbacks, I think Mason Rudolph fits best into the system at Pittsburgh. Your thoughts on that, Mason?
1: Oh, I was going to say, I I think Mason Rudolph can play flat out. I remember him as a freshman at Oklahoma State going into Norman and guiding the Cowboys to the straight-up win as, I think they were, 19-point underdogs at Oklahoma. The kids got moxie, uh, and I thought Pittsburgh made a we're-not-quitting-on-our-season move very clearly to the locker room, picking up Minka Fitzpatrick from Miami, trading away a future number one to acquire him. That's a we ain't quitting on our coach, we ain't quitting on our season type of move, all pointing towards Pittsburgh plus as opposed to San Fran minus.
0: Eddie, let's talk about a game that's moved a point and a half and getting close to two points from last week's look-ahead line. The Rams now three, a total of 49 going into Pittsburgh. Listen, being from Cleveland, it's a huge deal getting that Sunday night home game at Cleveland Brown Stadium. Do you think that's enough against the Rams?
1: In my mind, this comes down to one fundamental matchup. It really does. It's the Rams' defensive front against Cleveland's offensive front. All right. We saw the Browns' offensive line struggle in week one against Tennessee. We saw them, I guess i I say they played a little bit better against the Jets, but the offense didn't click. You know, Mayfield wasn't taking his checkdowns. He was forcing things downfield. and with the exception of a couple of big plays. OBJ, obviously, uh, was a difference maker in that ballgame. Uh, uh, but it wasn't a Browns offense that was clicking on all cylinders by any stretch of the imagination. We haven't seen a good offensive game from Cleveland yet, and we know they're capable, but if L.A. blows up the line of scrimmage the way that the Jets were able to do last week, and Tennessee was the week before, it's not a game where we're going to see Cleveland get into the 30s. And if Cleveland doesn't get into the 30s here, it's hard to bet them. Uh, because you can count on L.A. doing what they do, which is moving the football. But again, you want to talk misleading final scores, 27-9 last week with the Rams over the Saints. Yeah, that was a final score. Remember that inadvertent whistle <laughs> that cost the Saints a touchdown? Uh, a touchdown And Teddy Bridgewater missing some throws. And, you know, I, I came out of that game not with a bison on L.A. And it was the same thing after week one in Carolina where defense got slapped around a little bit. Yeah, the running game worked okay, but golf wasn't sharp. I got my concerns about the Rams and I would not be surprised at all to see Cleveland hang tough on Sunday night.
0: A system that I used for many years was playing against a young quarterback going to arrowhead. The difference with Lamar Jackson this year is He went to Arrowhead last year. He was a huge underdog. It was his only regular season loss. KC won that game 27 to 24. Yes, we know the numbers are inflated for the Ravens on offense, having played Miami and Arizona. But can they move the ball enough to hang with the Kansas City Chiefs? The Chiefs, a a five-and-a-half-point favorite, a total of 52.
1: It's an interesting game. It really is. And it's not a game I'm going to bet or I'm even close to betting. Um, The money, the sharp money has come on Baltimore and the under. I'm not a Ravens believer. I'm flat out. In fact, I'll be rooting for Baltimore this week so I can bet against them next week and moving forward. The Ravens, everything we've seen and all the numbers Lamar Jackson put up. Arizona came into the season as the number 31 power ranked team in the NFL and Miami's number 32. So they've beaten two patsies. and now. Whatever you want to say about Baltimore's defense, doesn't matter. KC scores against everybody. It's what the Chiefs do. So Baltimore's got to get theirs. I don't know that they can do it. That being said, I'll be rooting for them because I do think that the Ravens, there's some fraudulentness in Baltimore right now. Lamar Jackson's look great when he's got wide open receivers downfield. When he doesn't, like he did last week against Arizona, and Arizona's not even any good, Lamar Jackson, not quite as great. Patrick Mahomes is here Lamar Jackson is more like here. Yeah, there's a big disparity. Um, But not a game uh, given Kansas City's defensive weaknesses and giving the misleading final score for the Chiefs last week. I'm not going to bet. The Chiefs, again, they won 28-10. They had that great second quarter. Oakland moved the ball up and down the field against them, just like the Jags did week one. Raiders had some turnovers, had some penalties, all of that. But this is not a Chiefs defense that I trust to be laying a big price with. Against uh, you know, as as against a defense that's better than they have. I'll pass.
0: Well, it doesn't get any more difficult than the New Orleans Saints going to the Rams, losing Drew Brees, playing a second straight road game at Seattle. They've already said they're gonna play both Bridgewater and Taysom Hill. You and I mentioned yesterday neither of us are fans of the platoon system at quarterback. Tell us about Seattle. A four and a half point favorite, a total of 44 and a half. Look,
1: I mean, the Seahawks are a team that does not get a ton of respect in the betting markets and is not likely to be getting a ton of respect in the betting markets anytime soon. Why? Well, you're a stats guy, Ralph. You know why. The yardage numbers for Seattle aren't pretty. They get out yarded on a consistent basis. They don't have great yards per play numbers. The offense, as we've seen, it's a little hit or miss. You know, (laughs) they're not loaded with playmaking wide receivers this year. The offensive line's been spotty. The defense has not been shut down. I mean, there are issues with Seattle. But the one thing the Seahawks don't do, basically ever, they don't beat themselves. They don't. They win the turnover battle week in, week out, year in, year out. They were number one team in turnover differential last year. They're right at or near the top again this year. That's what Seattle does. So the betting markets, and if you look at the lads since Carroll's been there, consistently undervalued. Why? The stats don't show it. The stats don't show how good the, the Seahawks have been. And then it was like Legion of Boom is done, and the and the, the, the home field advantage isn't as strong as it was anymore. Seahawks so have the better quarterback and the better defense. They're facing a Saints team that's reeling a little bit right now and got pushed around at the line of scrimmage. I don't want the dog in this one, not with my money.
0: Hey Teddy, if you were on an NFL team, would you be able to sack Deshaun Watson? Watson no. now ten sacks this year. He's been sacked four or more times, eight straight games. But you look at the Chargers. Chargers only have one sack on the season in the first two weeks. You know, they've had some injuries. Obviously, Derwin James in the secondary changes the way they they play defense. Uh, We now have a situation with the Chargers a three-point favorite, a total of 48.5, hosting the Houston Texans.
1: Yeah, and that, that eight straight games with four sacks, there was only two quarterbacks in the modern history of the NFL that have had that stat. One of them was Jeff George, I believe. I'm trying to remember. There were two They were both awful guys. There was like Jeff George or Blaine Gabbard or something. It was like two guys you do not want to be on any list with if you're an NFL starting QB. And, of course, they made the move. They mortgaged the future to get Laramie Tunsell in at left tackle. And Tunsil's looked okay at times. And maybe the struggles they had last week something to do with the Jags' defense. that, boy, they were good again last night. And maybe it's Jacksonville's defense we'd be talking about an impressive, not Tennessee uh, or not the not Houston being you know oh their offensive the line stinks. They have a potential to get better there. All that said, you want to talk about teams with misleading final scores each of the first two weeks? That's the Chargers. Why? Red zone turnovers. Last week they had two touchdowns called back on penalties, and they were first and goal at the one and fumbled into the end zone, and that is why. The Lions won the game. The Chargers were the better team on the field throughout that contest, but they made mistakes. Week one, same story: the better team on the field throughout. Red zone turnover, turnover in the end zone. A Rivers pick, a bad one. But they were about to go up two scores in the second half. Instead, the you know defense allows Indy to come in and next uh, to, to score. And next thing you know, it's overtime. There is some concern about the Chargers' defense that's allowed Detroit to score when they needed to and Indy to score where they needed to the first two games of the season. That's not positive. But at the same time, L.A. is better than that final score would indicate the last couple of weeks. So tough game for me, not one I'm going to play.
0: Well, my database goes back to 1989. So we have 30 years of NFL history. In those 30 seasons, we've had exactly five teams favored by 21 or more points. Those five teams were the 49ers against the Bengals in 93, the Patriots three times in 2007 against the Eagles, the Jets, and the Dolphins, the Broncos against the Jags in 2013, and now we have both the Cowboys and the Patriots as a 21-point favorite. Oh, yeah, by the way, those first five went 0-5 ATS, so no 21-point favorite has ever covered uh, if they watched yesterday, they know your thoughts on these two huge dogs in about a minute and a half, finish these two ugly games off for us, Teddy.
1: I'm telling you Jets, Dolphins, line Parlay pays 239 to one. You can do better than that. If you shop around, that's not two to one. That's not 20 to one. That's 239 to one. That's worth putting a couple of bucks on Patriots jets. To me, the under makes a lot of sense in that ball game. I don't think you know, new England has been a dead nuts under team and Brady's never covered a point spread in this range at all. I think both teams try to shorten this one, uh, lean under that one. Dallas and Miami? I'm telling you, I put a couple of bucks on Miami. I, I have a parlay of the two. I put a couple of bucks on Miami money line in my pocket. The Cowboys are not built to cover three touchdown point spreads, and the Dolphins can't be worse than they've been the last two weeks. Not even close. Pros versus Joes, and we come back right here on Wager Talk. Who do the wise guys like, and who do you like? Stay tuned.
0: Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show.
1: Go. So, who do the wise guys like this week in the NFL? Who do the recreational players like this week in the NFL? We'll go through those teams in just a minute, but Ralph, We've got one more angle before this show is through. You give out so many good ones, and this is one in the last 30 years only happened seven times. What do we got on teams like, oh, I don't know, the Miami Dolphins that just lost back-to-back games by 40 points?
0: Well, in my database in 30 years, no team has ever lost back-to-back games by 40 points. And just to put the historic uh, historicness in perspective, in the last 30 years, only seven teams have ever lost back-to-back games by 30-plus points. The Dolphins are the eighth. Those previous seven teams did go 5-2 and two against the spread. Much like you said, Teddy, when people throw you under the bus, you're never as bad as that the last few weeks.
1: The Dolphins in a positive expectation subset as they travel to Dallas this week. Pros versus Joes. I make this list based on my assessment. I'm here in Vegas all week. I talk to sportsbook directors. I talk to bettors. I see the lines bouncing around. And this is just my take. It's one man's opinion. The pros have bet. The Lions, the Vikings, not the Bears. Lions, Vikings, and Bears. No, Lions, Vikings, Giants, and Rams. Those are four clear, wise guy choices for NFL action on Sunday. The Joes, they're betting the Rams, too. Pros and Joes on the Rams against Cleveland. That means it's going to be a big decision for the bookmakers. Joe's also like the Seahawks, the Packers, and the 2-0 49ers that fall under that negative subset we talked about earlier in the show. And I think there's a fair bit of love. I didn't put them on the list, but the Cowboys could easily be on this list as well for the Joes. In general, the pros are going to be on teams with good defenses or they're going to be betting against teams that are false favorites. When it comes to the Joes, in general, they're going to be on teams that won and covered last week. And if you look, Rams, Seahawks, Packers, Niners, yeah, that's the Joes card for this coming Sunday. You'll see a lot of those teams mixed in with all the parlays and teasers and all the cards that you see at the books here in Vegas, and Jersey, and Pennsylvania, and everywhere. Thank you so much, guys. We really appreciate you taking time out of your busy day to spend with us we're here every weekday, noon to 1 Pacific, 3 to 4 here on the East Coast. You guys back east, yeah, hang out with us in Vegas for an hour. We appreciate it. Enjoy the games all weekend. Good luck. We'll be back here on Monday, right here on week.